HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a full-service marketing and commerce platform that helps restaurants get discovered, make more money, and engage their diners. Join over 8,000 restaurants already using Bento Box today to deliver better hospitality. Visit getbento.com slash chef today to get your first month free. That's getbento.com slash chef. Welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is so mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. My guest today is Mary Alexander Metafer, who is a Kravito, or a brewmaster's support, at the Terada Honke in Chiba Prefecture near Tokyo. Mary is a Frank Tunisian, and he, made, he has made like, five breweries in Japan for the last eight years. And Terada Honke is distinctively unique and known for its strong focus on natural sake making. Here, you are not talking about natural-oriented brewing sake, but the never-ending pursuit of minimum intervention to maximize the power of nature. The brewery was, found, brewery was founded in 349 years ago, but their philosophy shifted towards natural fairly recently. So today we'll discuss why Mary decided to pursue his career in sake making, why Terada Honke chose to become a natural sake brewer, its mind-blowing unique sake, and much, much more. But before you start, Japan is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Mary Alexander Metafer. Hello, Mary-san. Welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Um, so, and thank you for staying up so late. You are in Japan, so it's really near, near midnight. And uh, so to get to know you, uh, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Okay, so I'm from France and Tunisia, both. So I was born in France, but I spent part of my life in Tunisia too. Uh, so I grew up between the two cultures, 
with the very rich um, food culture. So what I've eaten uh, since I'm I'm a kid is really um, how to say really rich. I eaten so 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 many stuff and that made me uh, this, um, so I can eat everything. I um, dislike nothing. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I'm I'm open to any kind of cuisine, any kind of dishes. Uh, so and of course uh, I felt into the passion of sake because I think this kind of uh, mm. right. I think well, at least you picked uh, two of the best parts of France, France and Tunisia. The great food. So <laughs> yeah, I'm very uh, jealous, kind of. So <laughs> and then uh, so how did you get into Japanese sake? Well, uh, as I think many people, I started to uh, go to some Japanese restaurants, but uh, most of them were running by non-Japanese, so they were serving uh, at the end like a free baiju or like uh, distillated uh, alcoholic beverages. And I, I thought that was uh, sake, but uh, once I've been to a like a real Japanese izakaya in France, and uh, and we ordered uh, we order um, uh, Nihonshu, the Japanese sake, the real one. And uh, from that from that moment, I got really astonished about, by this uh, amazing and unique taste. Uh, of course, it was kind of a shock because. Um, it is totally different. It's different than wine, different than beer. So it's something new kind of taste or family of flavor uh, appear to your uh, world experience. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, fantastic and also really mysterious because it's hard to... Um, catch the taste of sake and uh, yeah second times I was more prepared so I could more maybe uh, analyze and find out the composition of the flavor the taste the aroma but uh, still sometimes uh, it's uh, still like really difficult to um, find the, the right approach and uh, it led me to to want to know more, to want to make it also, mm -hmm. to produce it, because of this um, always uncatchable, uh, um, um, how to say it, uh, yeah, uh, property of sake. It's, uh, it's something. It's always challenging you, always, always. You're always running after to to find out exactly how it's made, why this taste appear was. So yeah, it's a kind of this uh, relationship that I have with sake after it. Interesting. Yeah, so that's so you really pointed out an uh, interesting aspect of Japanese sake, right? Because it's so diverse, just made with rice and the koji and water, but it's the, the flavor profile 
goes really, really wide and deep, and it's, it doesn't seem like even the same <laughs> kind of beverage uh, made mm. out of uh, uh, just the simple three ingredients. So, yeah, interesting. And then, um, I mean, making sake versus drinking, they're completely different things, but you decided diving into making sake. So when and why did you go to Japan? Well, uh, like I, I majored in chemistry, and, but also I studied philosophy at university. And uh, following my studies, like I started an internship in a very large uh, pharmaceutical company in the production of uh, anti-venom. Um, so it's basically antibodies against uh, um, snakes uh, and scorpions uh, venoms. And, uh, but for a number of reasons, uh, like uh, I had to quit. So I wanted to do something completely different and leave it great journey. Uh, I had this uh, fascination for sake at the same time. So I had also, I, I practiced uh, karate for several years. I also I had interest in all the Japanese movies. So, and I had the uh, I, 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 I was still young, like uh, young and, and with enough energy to just completely change my life and try it first. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it sounds very simple, but it's really a big, big dive. So yeah, I'm so glad you did that too, because no, you are in a really right place, uh, which we're going to talk about now. So, and so... Uh, before you joined Terada Honke, I heard that you worked at the four other breweries before joining uh, the brewery last year. So where did you work and what did you learn at those four breweries? So I started in Nagano. So I had no plan, to be honest, when I came to Japan. Like, I didn't know where to go, who to speak to get inside a brewery to, to get, like, uh, hired uh, and that time in 2013, it was still really new, like all, almost no books, almost no information. So I had to search by myself on the net. Uh, I, I couldn't speak in uh, Japanese uh, as well. So uh, it was hard. And uh, it's not like now where most of the breweries, they, they want to hire uh, foreigners, uh, because uh, of their commercial um, goals, uh, they, they want to open to, to the world. Uh, no, that was really confidential. And uh, so they, were, they had a lot of reserve or they, they were hesitating to hire me. So first I knocked to many doors and uh, I was helped by uh, uh, farmers. I was living in farmers' places. We were working together, uh, and in return, uh, in exchange, they were uh, providing me food and uh, and uh, somewhere to sleep. Um, like it's a woofing, really um, common or like famous uh, system to to travel abroad for uh, almost no money. 
and uh, we knocked too many doors and uh, most of the breweries in the region of Nagano, they, they refused to accept me, to hire me, even for free. Mm. And, uh, one small brewery, we came back to them because we uh, said like, uh, it's uh, like everyone say no and they finally accepted me uh, as a, like um, for an internship of mm. four months. Wow, you must be very persistent and uh, <laughs> really passionate yeah. about getting the job. No, they, they, they felt pity for me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. but, wow. uh, but now they are like a family. And it was a very small brewery, and the, which now is get the, it got bigger and bigger and really famous. But at that time, it was small and almost unknown brewery, which is... Uh, Mm, sorry, uh, Okazaki Shuzo, the mm. Kirei, Shinshu Kirei Sake. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's a couple uh, that was making the sake, and they had the kids, and I was yeah, taking care of the kids and, uh, and learning slow, um, slowly, slowly by slowly, like uh, how to make sake. And uh, so that was the first experience. I've learned a lot, but mostly how to wash and how to move inside the brewery and I learned what the, the role of the, each tools and the, the process also I could see, I could realize exactly step by step, step by step how the sake is made. But at that time I was, wasn't like responsible for any uh, delicate task or like following the fermentation or uh, making a starter or uh, pressing, I was just participating. Uh, but it was perfect as a first uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And now they, they, they are doing a lot of sake, the amount they renew almost all, all their equipments, and they are in the, yeah, some, some of, of their sake are uh, ranked. Uh, in the best sake in Japan, so. Mm, wow. So so then uh, did you decide to switch and move to other yeah. brewery to learn more? To learn more, and I needed a bigger uh, place to to also uh, get a, a visa, a working visa. So so that's why I, I had to, to shift for a place that, um, has a potential of uh, trading with uh, foreign countries because, like, it's hard to get a visa for making sake. Mm. So every time we play on the words and uh, we justify my uh, hiring by, okay, I'm, I'm a kind of commercial. Uh, I do business. I try to export sake but in fact I'm doing it <laughs> but no one no one come to to to, to check like uh, and uh, and then uh, if someone comes like we can say yeah, I need to to learn I need to know how the sake is made to sell it which is yeah. true but, uh, I'm actually not selling it, <laughs> <I'm not doing> it. <laughs> right so okay. yes yeah, so I've switched for uh, uh, to, a brewery in Shimane, which is uh, much in the southern uh, southern 
Japan, uh, and uh, it's uh, it was Gasan Yoshida Shuzo, which also uh, oh wow, amazing, is, yeah, well-known brewery, and uh, yeah, the second time we were more staff, so. I would say the second step of learning how to make sake was more how learning how to deal with colleagues, Japanese colleagues, learning the hierarchy, learning exactly how, uh, like, uh, fifteen uh, people company is uh, running and is moving, and I had my first responsibilities as a kamaya, which is the um, the rice uh, um, when we steam the rice the, this step so I mm. first uh, they put me there and um, I got really close uh, after three months I got really close to the kashira the the, the um, head uh, assistant and uh, I learned a lot how to be with other and inside a Japanese company, which is totally different than like a foreign company. So, right. like steaming rice, how much time every day, how to estimate exactly the time, the right time. Right. Just for the sake of, I mean, we want to get into Terada Shuvo soon. Yeah. So, so what are the two other uh, places? Because, you know, Nagano and the Shimane, they're completely different. Uh, region and also I'm sure that's the water changes everything changes so <laughs> where to other uh, previous the third one was in uh, Saijo in Hiroshima east Ooh, Hiroshima nice so the, um, also a famous place for the massive production sake but uh, also for really uh, qualitative uh, sake and uh, so I stayed there one year and a half so one season in Shimane, one year and a half in Saijo, and then five years in uh, Nagoya, in uh, at um, uh, Banjo Jozo, the Kuheji. Mm. Wow! Uh, so yeah. you really covered a different styles of sake, and uh, mm. it's just very impressive how you <laughs> the first you didn't know anything about even the language to anything, and then you really in eight years. Up to now, you really became very, very knowledgeable, skilled worker. So, yeah, that's amazing. And uh, so, so it's, you've been in Japan, right? So, do you uh, have you learned anything other than sake making? Like being in Japan, like culturally, is there anything you got impressed with or something? First Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, this nurse, uh, he's a uh, medis Japanese is almost perfect. I thought he he grew up in Japan and went to Paris and then came back here. So that's that fluent. So yeah. <laughs> so besides yeah, besides the second, I would say maybe the, the biggest uh, my biggest accomplishment was uh, to being to being able to learn Japanese. Uh, I also, of course, uh, I got involved into uh, rice uh, farming. So I'm like the previous company in Nagoya. Uh, they uh, farm uh, about 20 hectares of uh, rice paddies. So it's very big. It's all Yamadenshiki and Omachi, but it's uh, not uh, 
organic uh, style. Uh, so yeah. Mm. Oh wow! Wow, you really covered yeah from everything, even from farming. That's very impressive. Okay. Um, all right, so we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into Terada Honke's super unique sake and the philosophy behind it. Uh, so please stay with us. Did you know that over 70% of diners research a restaurant online before ordering from or going in person? Your digital front door is more important than ever. Let BentoBox design and build you a beautifully branded website. BentoBox websites provide sleek design and seamless content management, creating impactful first impressions and converting visitors into customers. And with built-in commerce and marketing tools like online ordering, gift cards, automated email, and more, you can also grow your revenue and keep your diners coming back. Join over 8,000 restaurants that leverage Bento Box to power their digital presence and deliver great hospitality. Visit getbento.com slash chef today to get your first month free. That's getbento.com slash chef. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow the one recipe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aiki Kateyama, and my guest today is Mary Alexander Metafer, who is a Krabito or Brewmaster's support at Terada Honke in Chiba Prefecture near Tokyo. Mary is French, uh, Franco Tunisian, and he has made sake at five breweries in Japan for the last eight years. So let's talk about Terada Honke. So Terada Honke is very unique and famous for its natural sake production. And uh, yeah, it, it's not just natural style. It's really, really uh Extremely natural. I'm going to talk about it in a moment. But uh, brewery was found in 1673, and the current owner, Masaru Terada, is 24th generation of the family business. But the brewery has not been so natural over the last 300 years or so. So, what happened to their sake production philosophy? Like uh, the, the owner uh, actually uh, got uh, the previous. Uh, Mm, the previous generation of uh, owner, uh, he got sick, he fell ill, and uh, find out that uh, true fermentation, because in Japan, you know, the art of fermentation is uh, really deep, and uh, it's uh, in every um, uh, part of the um, food culture, he, he find out that uh, using fermentation or natural fermentation uh, it's involved that involve like natural uh, microorganisms, natural ones, uh, not selected ones, but uh, wild uh, ones, uh, could um, like uh, make him feel better. And actually, he he succeed to to recover a little, but uh, wasn't enough. But that was also his um, 
uh, idea uh, is to switch totally to things that are really uh, healthy. Um, it starts from the rice itself. It needs to be like organic. It needs to, to be done or farmed without any um, uh, fertilizer, uh, fertilizer and um, uh, chemical uh, pesticides. So, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of occasion after to be more um, say precise on this part. But uh, yeah, for the, the history or for the choice of switching to a um, natural uh, sake, that was the reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you specify, what, what is the sake-making philosophy of Terada Honkena after the previous owner recovered from such a serious disease just by going natural? Okay, um, this is a really large question. So <laughs> deep question. Like, um, Maybe I, I'm gonna start to speak. I will go to several direct direction, but at the end, like I think our uh, people are listening uh, will uh, understand uh, what I want to say. Um, I want to take you in with me into a different philosophy, uh, our approach of sake. And I have to speak about sake first and say a few things about it. Um, okay, of course we can say that natural sake is uh, necess necessarily made with organic rice. It's not only uh, a matter of organic rice, it's a matter of um, mindset and how we think um, our relationship to the world to the environment, to the nature. Mm. We say it's organic rice, but there is also um, no addition of any micro, selected microorganisms. They are all living inside the brewery. Mm. And mm. the microorganisms we use are the lactic bacteria, the yeast fungi, and the koji also, the koji fungi. Um, the the mold. So those three microorganisms they are living inside the brewery. So we do not procure uh, from supplier. We do not buy them. They are uh, living. And making natural sake is the ability of creating an habitat where where those uh, living organisms uh, can. Um, uh, can grow, can increase, and can yeah live uh, well. So um, basically, it's just the management or the um, how to um, how to help uh, those microorganisms to live and to interact. Uh, with each other or with the rice itself. Mm. It's, we are following uh, a movement, a natural movement. So, um, so it's kind of really a holistic uh, way of thinking or 
yeah. Mm. I, w- I want you to imagine a, a one big circle and inside another one smaller and inside another one smaller and so on. The biggest one is a big space with a lot of energy. It's, a, it's the energy of the earth and the sun. It's um, kind of, yeah, the universe. And the other one is the nature and the mountains, the rice paddies. And the other one inside is actually the society and the made by, um, composed with people, with art, with um, philosophy, with concepts. And the a smaller one inside is the brewery. And finally, the smallest one inside in the middle is the tank. Mm. All those spaces, all those spaces, they are connected. They are not um, so the limits of those circles, it's porous. It lets um, energy and things go through, pass through. So um, making a natural second is first uh, uh, being aware or about this. Um, so all those ecosystems or habitat, they are really, they, they are open. They are not closed. So brewery, basically, what you find inside the brewery is exactly what you find inside the tanks. And the microorganisms are almost the same. They are living on the wall, they are living on the floor, on the roof, inside the wooden pillar of the brewery. They are living everywhere. And they are, and we are keeping the balance. So that's why brewery is not closed. There is no door. Like air comes through large amount of air comes through, windows are always open, and we never wash. Why we never wash and we never clean so far, and we never use soap? It's just to preserve the natural habitat. And then there are those living microbes, they can happily um, do their life. And they are confront, uh, they confront uh, their self to um, other microorganisms that um, sometimes they they fight together, but it's the way they become uh, stronger and stronger. So we respect this kind of fight or confrontation. And what is really uh, funny is that when you do, when you make rice, you need good organic um, earth, organic material, and um, microorganisms, fungi, they decompose the, um, some bigger elements and turn it into nutrients. So in the rice fields, microorganisms feed the rice and let the rice grow and become bigger. And inside the tank, inside the tank, it's the opposite. Rice is the food of the microorganism. 
and the fermentation occur. So that's the that's the philosophy uh, behind the natural fermentation. Mm, right. So basically, uh, it's a full trust in nature, and the assumption is that if we don't uh, lose the balance, I'm trying to intervene and do something uh, silly, and uh, lose the balance of the nature, uh, which is always already perfect, then we're going to go uh, to the wrong place. And what uh, Teradis Honke is doing is just try to preserve as what's given by nature, and which seems to be very successful. And yeah, I think one one thing I quote from uh, the website of Terra Honke, so life goes either into rotting or, rotting or fermenting. And if the healthy fermentation loses its balance, it becomes rotting. And uh, I think this is uh, what learned from the 23rd generation, uh, Mr. Terada, who got sick uh, because he lost the balance in his body. So this application of um, healthy balance, the pursuit of healthy balance, I think is really amazing. And what's actually happening at the Sagi Brewery, um, which you tremendously help, um, is there so many elements. So let's just talk about these some elements involved in actual sake production. Um, so such as rice, yeast, and you, you mentioned koji, but what do you do um, practically to become so natural? Mm. Well, uh, as I said, uh, just uh, the ability of creating good medium that are good habitat that are liked by the organism and they come by themselves. Like we are just <laughs> preparing mash, mashes, tanks, and they come by themselves. Of course, for the koji, it's a little different because we also cultivate the koji by ourselves. But when you make a starter, when you start a starter, to make a starter, you just smash rice and, of course, uh, mix it with water and with koji, and then you just wait. You just wait. And if there is the right density, um, um, first lactic bacteria areas uh, will turn uh, the sugar into lactic acid, and make the, the medium is enough acid to prevent contamination, or I don't like the term of contamination. In sake breweries, in, in sake world, or in the production world, we all, like most of the people that are working with more uh, recent methods, as the Sokujomoto or the Hon Sokujomoto, that's it's a way, ways of, uh, of making starter. Uh, with addition of uh, industrial lactic acid, uh, they always speak about contamination as there is a kind of um, a really conservative uh, uh, way uh, to prevent or to keep something almost uh, um, sterilized. Um, uh, natural sake is all about just uh, letting nature doing itself uh, its, um, its uh, things. Mm. So the starter, you have a lot of bacteria, you have a lot of uh, different kind of yeast, 
uh, some are weak, some are stronger, some, some of them can produce a lot of alcohol, some are just uh, there. Maybe they are just uh, doing their life without almost no producing any alcohol or any good acid or like, like in a society, like in the nature, like which everyone has it, it, its own uh, role, but uh, it's, they are all different and uh, some are maybe more important or not more important, but just uh, for us uh, in our goal of making sake. So uh, if they are living together, they are competing, they, are, uh, they can do some uh, um, association against another type, another type of, uh, mm, of uh, yeast. So and basically, when you have enough acidic medium, uh, good yeast came inside the mash and they start the fermentation and they start to turn uh, a starch and other compound into sake, into, into alcohol. Um, so, yeah, making also natural sake uh, is about not um, uh, trying to control the the time, because natural sake takes its own reason. If you want to produce a large amount of sake, it's hard, because the speed of fermentation is always different. Uh, the speed of fermentation, we call it the kinetic, the cinetic, kinetic, like the oh, how how fast the mm, degradation, uh, the decomposition is uh, mm, happening. So sometimes a starter to make a starter, it can take 50 days, it can take 30 days, it can take 40 days. So if you are in a rush, if you hurry, if you need to hurry, you cannot do um, a natural sake. And main mash can take even longer. Like in in the average for June Mai or June Mai Daiginjo, it's twenty days to thirty or thirty five days to finish a sake to reach the um, uh, right amount of uh, alcohol. Mm, right. So basically, um, I think the process sounds like you grow healthy um, microorganisms uh, so that they can beat uh, bad guys so you don't have any contamination, what you used as a kind of like chemical-oriented term. So the balance that you create patiently with long time, that really keeps the balance of um, the natural power. And then I heard you, of course, you use uh, organic rice and as the milling rate. I also sake has a low milling rate because it has outside of the rice, that's whole another uh, microorganisms and different flavors. And lots of sake undiluted, unpasteurized, non-alcohol added. And those elements really create unique sake, terra honke. So let's talk about some of the sakes you make. So um, maybe you can give us a couple examples of that represent terra honke's philosophy. Yeah, but can I add something just about to to introduce the taste of uh, terra sure, honke? Sure, sure, sure. 
So it was natural cycle. And also, you, you, um, I, I had to add two things. Uh, another thing is that we are working uh, really with a lot of happiness, and we sing for some of the step of sake brewing. We sing, and that is a way to to thank to think uh, to thank the 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 microorganism to be to um, be really. Uh, uh, to, f to feel closer to also this amazing uh, world and amazing things that is occurring. And it's also a way to um, measure the time. So singing... Mm. Right. Uh, well, the singing at the sake brewery um, is a part of uh, the traditional way to make it. And maybe because people don't get bored or just... Exactly. Right. And also, I think, um, well, I, I've been to winery where people play uh, jazz or classic music and fermentation uh, room. And it's kind of, I don't know how scientifically you can prove, but those wines, they said taste better. And this <laughs> could be uh, uh, some elements to make the bacteria happy as well as you sing well. <laughs> uh, it's hard to prove it, but what I what I really feel is that it it, it increases my uh, sensitivity and my creativity. So I'm more uh, mm, mm, uh, it makes me more able to to create taste and to approach to have a, a, a very pure approach of uh, of life. The, the, and we go back to this holistic. Uh, um, uh, philosophy of uh, like trying to keep the balance everywhere in the rice fields or uh, and in the inside the tanks and inside the brewery. So um, definitely, it has a lot of good benefits uh, for sure. Uh, and I want I want to tr to to tr to um, to trust that also uh, it is good for uh, organisms. So yeah. Natural sake is also about this um, trying to be as much as possible like creative and uh, receptive, um, yeah, sensitive to to the every kind of uh, um, things around us that can give us more inspiration to create taste. And it's also about using at most, uh, as much as possible, uh, um, as less as possible uh, energy. So uh, when we wash, we are really careful of, uh, about the amount of water we use. We don't use any soap. Uh, we all we use sometimes like hot, very hot water, but not in a large amount. Also, uh, we definitely uh, are uh, really careful. We uh, care about those all those issues. So. Um, and then we go to the end, uh, or not to the end, but uh, about the taste and about the profile, aroma profile. Basically, making sake is um, is melting rice, is turning rice into liquid form. Okay, mm. uh, th that's that's the that's uh, what matters to us. It's how how far we can turn rice into liquid form and how much 
how much uh, alcohol rate we can reach. So, uh, I really, um, uh, I, I, I wish like every consumer um, ask or could uh, ask um, to the producer, how far do you melt the rice? When, if you, when you use 1,000 kilo of rice, at the end, how much, uh, how much of this amount remain in solid form? So how much has melted? Which, which is the proportion which has melted? That's the, because the taste doesn't come from the water. It comes from the rice itself and of course the fermentation, the, all the products that are uh, mm, produced by the microorganism, acid or amino acid, uh, sugar. So, so I go back to what I was saying about time. More you, you take time for the main mash, and the more you have the, um, the chance to, to melt the rice. So first, in, for terra honke, which is important, is to get rich and full-bodied sake. So we, we, we are really, really trying hard to uh, melt the, the rice. So for some people, maybe uh, they will um, they will know that this term is kasabuai. Kasabuai is which is the proportion of uh, rice uh, which has uh, melted, and normally, normally for the average is um, around sixty percent. That means you end up with forty uh, percent or. For 1,000 kilo, for example, you end up with 400 kilo of um, solid uh, material at the end. Mm. So more than half of the rice involved in the fermentation has melted. Right. That's the that's the, the average. But in Terra de Honke, we try to reach 20%. So we are basically more than the double. So inside the bottle of uh, sake, you have double amount of rice, and you tell you said like all, we almost we use uh, almost unpolished rice. So it's not like uh, something; it's not a mystery. The taste come from the element of rice. It it comes essentially uh, from the fat, from the mineral, from the protein. Sugar is turned into mm, the, the the starch is is turned into sugar, and it's turned into uh, alcohol. So, mm. if you polish too much the too much the rice, like uh, um, you remove half of it, you will remove all the things that create the taste, and you end up with a two dimension sake. That has only sugar and alcohol, and the umami disappear. The acid also almost disappear. And so, uh, Kimoto, 
Kimoto has a very unique ability. The Kimoto way of making sake have a very unique ability. It's to uh, turn the protein into very, very, very large amount of amino acid. So if you, re if you keep rice as itself, like almost unpolished, and you combine it with Kimoto way of making sake, you end up with something really, really rich. And if you keep the fermentation going far, it's, it's the best uh, combo for me. Mm, right. So one of those uh, Kimoto Tsukuri, um, that's, that's opposite of Sokujo, right? Sokujo is like inoculated, kind of efficient way to make sake. But yeah. the Kimoto was before all those technologies, new ideas was introduced. So you have a Gonin Musume, uh, that's uh, the Kimoto-based sake. And uh, the other thing I really was intrigued by is uh, Katori. I think this is available in the States too. So yeah. this is Junmai. And the katori is uh, like a milling rate is 80% or 90%, two types. And that's ridiculous because uh, usually Japanese premium sake at least is um, milled down to 70%. I mean, the remaining part is 70%. And some extreme sake goes into like 20% remaining or some kind of like the more milled, the better. It's like a wrong mindset. And uh, can you maybe talk about this katori, uh, that's jumai sake? Of course. Katori, the unique things of katori is that uh, until 90%, when you keep 90% of the, of the rice, you keep the fat. The fat will be decomposed into, um, into kind of uh, oil. So inside the mash, you can see that there is oil. This oil is a new kind of new dimension of the taste, give a new dimension, a richer, richer taste. And um, what something is, uh, I think, or I find that like um, difficult with sake is sometimes the ethanol, the alcohol, is too high and give a, a dry um, impression. Like, and it's re it makes the, the sake become really sharp and sometimes too sharp. But the oil has the ability to cover it, to cover this sharpness and make it smoother, smoother. So you have the large amount of protein that are turned into amino acids so it's really rich in terms of umami. It has enough uh, sugar, uh, glucose, because it's important, of course. And you have the lactic acid produced in large amount because of the Kimoto way. And you have the oil. All this mixed up made katori and it's uh, really unique. The, mm. the, rich, the richness of this sake, the, the smooth, smoothness of this sake is really unique. And mm. even when we are working, I, I, now I will speak as a kurabito, working with 
uh, almost unpolished rice. It's so, so um, um, enjoyable because rice doesn't stick, because uh, you can feel more. You can even feel the, the, the fat, the oil on the, on the surface of the rice. The rice is really smooth when you're, you're working, when you're, you're, you're like mm, making the koji or... So, um, actually, it's mm, fantastic. Uh, mm. The mash, the mash when you it's on the uh, the fermentation is on the uh, on the, the process processing the mash has uh, nuts walnuts uh, almond uh, flavor it's so so unique and the color of the mash is yellow and when you mix it uh, you can feel the density very very it's so dense it's not mm, it's not too too liquid like because of the a large amount of water, so uh, of course there is some trick, and uh, because using ninety uh, almost unpolished rice is hard. It's hard to melt uh, um, <laughs> almost unpolished rice. So there is some like uh, way that are keeping secret, uh, <laughs> um, but like kind of adjustment, but. The thing is, um, uh, it gives you an access to the rice and the fermentation taste. Uh, mm. It's unbelievable. Uh, right. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, well, it sounds like it's really the ultimate um, uh, representation of the balance that we discussed. So a natural lactic acid and the sugar and the fat in rice, which I feel like we've been wasting a lot of this tastiness uh, by milling down uh, too much. Um, but And I also heard that this katori uh, is used to uh, serve God, I mean, at the shrine, at the katori shrine. So it really means a lot for Ruri, I'm sure. This is a precious sake it's served to uh, the God at the shrine, katori shrine. So. Very impressive. And uh, I mean, I wish we could just go through everything you have. But I, for example, you have a whole grain um, sake, which I've never heard of. It's almost like because it's the sake is never uh, kind of molted because if you mill down outside, you cannot molt um, the, the rice. So, but this is kind of like molted style. And also you have uh, the uh, bodaimoto, which is really the most ancient style of sake making by um, cultivating a lot of lactic acid naturally. So um, this must be really challenging for you. And, uh, but most intriguing part of sake making because it's the extreme uh, case of naturalness. So uh, what's the most challenge for you to make sake at Terada Shuzo? It's it's to res it was to reset my mind <laughs> <laughs> because I had uh, my all my my whole my whole uh, until I I got uh, inside uh, Terada Monkey I used to to work you know, on with Sokujo and uh, really highly polished rice and uh, I had a few experience a few. Mm, few times with uh, Yamaha also, but uh, yeah, it was to reset, to reset. But I was ready to, I was um, ready and uh, uh, 
I wanted. That's why I, I switched to Terra de Honke. And I had the intuition uh, in, in, the, in my uh, whole journey, I had the intuition that there is other things maybe that um, I would feel closer to, uh, another philosophy, another. So I, I was preparing myself to find what I found in Terra de Honke. And uh, mm. so, yeah, the, the, the maybe the, yeah, the, the, the most difficult uh, or the most challenging things was to, yeah, uh, to be not uh, overflowed by the new taste and the new, because it's uh, when you spoke about, uh, when you have spoken about the, the unpolished game, my shoot. That's also so interesting, and it's you have a kind of a mattress inside your head, and with a lot of information, and you keep adding information, new flavor, new taste, and it increases all the possibility. So now I, I see so many possibilities. Like I'm sure that sake is still at its uh, almost a, um, baby age. <laughs> Even it's, it has 2,000 uh, years uh, uh, history and even more if you go back to uh, Korea and China. And, uh, because actually, what uh, Terada Honke is, is making uh, is it, close to what was produced before. Uh, the, recent, the recent addition, the, 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 the previous this like uh, 100 years, the recent 100 years, the addition of um, kind of removed uh, sake, it's um, more, it's global aspect. Uh, it came from China, came through Korea and ended up in Japan. And in Japan, it has a long, 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 long life uh, in, with a different form or aspect closer to what we're doing now in Terada Honke. It's so recent. The, the polishing machine uh, came recently, like they have less than 80 years old. The selected yeast also, uh, especially the ginjo for, make, for making ginjo, they are so, so recent. So if you remove those two additions in terms of the process, uh, I think you can reach uh, what is real sake, and you can reach the DNA. Of course, I don't blame or I don't think that uh, it's not relevant to make uh, high polished uh, um, uh, sake uh, sake based on high, high polishing uh, rates of rice, but maybe it made it too exclusive. It made the sake too exclusive and le less able to be. Uh, Mm, like share with other uh, mm, style of food, with other uh, food culture. Mm. So going back to what is sake, what sake is, the DNA, how it uh, can be a nice approach to also uh, um, to also re-increase the consumption of sake because it's definitely decreasing uh, and the interest 
in sake also in Japan, for example. So, um, so I'm I'm working on those issues now. I'm trying to, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. Right. So, and then um, you know, Terada Honke seems very forward-minded, and uh, unlike most traditional breweries, it it welcomes you. Um, like no Japanese gravita, although you, I think <laughs> you seem to be almost more Japanese than I, a regular Japanese people. But do you have other non-Japanese gravito at Terada Honke? I think because of the corona, uh, they are not uh, almost not like it's difficult to come uh, to Japan. Mm. Uh, but uh, I heard that uh, almost every year some. Uh, People they come like uh, foreigners. They come to for internship, so mm. they, they come few months, couple of months, a uh, couple of weeks, and they and most of them they are the winemakers. They have like al already experience in uh, in fermentation, uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, Terayonke is always welcoming people, and I go back to what I was saying about the my circles, my space, those ecosystem, and I said it's all about exchanging. And Terayonke has the disability to exchange with the with the outside world and to um, take from this world. Uh, ideas and inspiration to enhance uh, their art. So when brewery is, um, is close, too much close, almost like uh, there is no any more exchange with the world, with the outside, uh, actually, it's it rotten. <laughs> mm. Easy. And, right. uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, um, how to say, uh, there is no rebirth. It it keep itself like this, and then it died. Right. So that's the then this comes to, comes a full circle, right? Like rotten, there are two paths. Uh, life can get uh, to rotten rottening state or fermentation state, which keeps living forever. So by having someone like I've been very impressed how much you've been contributing to Japanese traditional sake industry. And um, yeah, I really think it's so valuable to have someone like you uh, regularly, constantly uh, in for the Japanese sake industry for the future. So what are your plans and dreams? Mm, my plans, my plans to, it's to, uh, to stay there and learn and feel more and more deeply how uh, Teradas Honke uh, um, brewery is, is working and, and to analyze this uh, model of uh, this unique model of uh, it's not just a brewery uh, as I said it's an, a whole ecosystem with a cafe, also there is a cafe, uh, and, and because we are not only producing sake, we are producing like um, narazuke and, and uh, uh, umejus and uh, many many kinds of food 
based on fermentation. So Curabito, they experience every time this kind of food, and uh, and so they enrich their potential of uh, creation. So they are always this kind of thing. So um, I want to go deeper and deeper in this uh, uh, direction of uh, getting more inspired by the environment, by the mountain, by the rice field, by the this whole ecosystem, and see how far it can help me to make to create new sake. So my dreams is, of course, to become once uh, to make maybe my own brewery. I mm. I have to go back to France. I cannot stay anymore because of uh, like uh, private issues. Uh, my family asked me to go to come back. So in short, in mid short term, uh, in short mid term, I, I will I will have to go back to my country. So I'm also working a book uh, and uh, and also yeah I want to improve the maybe the if I can uh, add something maybe it's to just because I uh, I'm I'm still uh, I, I can speak well Japanese I can help I can uh, I can read I can but. I'm still, how to say, a foreigner. So uh, I've always, I'm, there is always a distance. So this distance allows me to allows me to also see things that some people cannot see. So it has limits, but also benefits. And uh, yeah, uh, I would love that to create, if I can, uh, for my brewery, like uh, easier style of. Um, like uh, working also improving the efficiency that can be natural but efficient and and then give more like time free time to the curavito uh, so and uh, yeah improve the work conditions and so it's all there is many things to 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 to, to work on uh, there's so much things. <laughs> right. Well, well, keep me posted. Maybe uh, you can come back. You have so much to share. And uh, <laughs> you're such a philosopher and such a hard worker. And you really have tremendously wide and deep views to the world. So, yeah, good luck. And uh, hopefully I can taste your sake made in France. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Uh, if I can reach this, uh, this goal, this step, yeah, why not? Right. I'm trying to. Uh, expand the sake's roots or territory. Right. Okay. So, where can we find your updates online and on social media? Uh, I only have uh, like one. Uh, I recently opened uh, Instagram account. Okay. Uh, it's um, uh, Nomad Sake Brewer because I I've traveled. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nomad Sake Brewer. All right. Yeah. Uh, right yeah that's a really good name that's exactly who you are <laughs> all right so um yeah so good luck and thank you so much for joining us today Mehdi ah, you're welcome thank you very much
So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneats at theheritageradionetwork.org or akikuatema.com. Japan Eats is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Uh, we'll take a spring break for the next few weeks, so we'll see you at the beginning of May. And our engineer today is Amen Spenjan. Thank you for listening. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.